Hello and welcome once again to the Franco Observer. I am your host, Jason Rudy of Desperate Vision Productions. Uh, at Desperate Visions, I've done 12 films, uh, definitely nowhere near just Franco level, who's, uh, you know, up to the high, high 100s, low 200s, somewhere around there. There's always differences in numbers as a lot of his films there's two versions of like a clothed version or a unclothed version or of a softcore hardcore version or or um different different uh you know variations so but yeah it's uh definitely way not into his number of outputs but yeah it's uh not too shabby for a independent local filmmaker a regional filmmaker these days um i had inspiration recently over this last weekend for a new film um and i'm going to start writing that this coming weekend and over the uh thanksgiving break speaking of the thanksgiving break and upcoming news this concerning the franco observer uh this being episode five this is a special solo show that you'll hear i reviewed uh the this is a I'm kind of getting out of myself. This being episode five, this is blood, the blood of Fu Manchu, uh, film number eighteen that Jess Franco directed in his career as a director of uh, for a feature for a feature. Um, this was shot in um, sixty seven in November thirtieth and through December, so this was shot in like three weeks uh, time, um, which is pretty damn quick. Uh, especially for a feature. So yeah, he shot this in about three weeks in uh, 1967, released 1968. It was cool because um, right before this film, 17 of his is uh, Kiss Me Monster, and then he did this as film 18, and then following up to this, he did Girl from Rio right after this, and then 99 Women, and uh, that's a good role he was on. But yeah, so this being um, episode five that I'm doing here is a special solo show. Uh, the next show, episode six, we'll be reviewing. Here's a little info for you. We'll be reviewing Bloody Moon is going to be the next one, and um, that one I'm going to do as a Zoom call uh, with. Here I'm in Sacramento, California, and this one I'll be guest host will be Greta, and she is in Seattle, Washington, and uh, we'll she's going to be watching that. I'll be watching it here, and then uh, we'll be doing the review right after the viewing of it and talking about it. And uh, that'll be episode six. And then um, next week during the vacation break, uh, I have a few days off from my day job. So I'll be uh, writing some script. And then also uh, Eric's going to be coming over and we'll be probably doing a couple double features of Franco. So hope to record at least two episodes or more during that break. Um, so be on the listen and look out for those. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing a few more Zoom ones. I have uh, friends in uh, Los Angeles and Florida and Washington and uh, New York and all over the place. So we'll be doing that in the future and uh, having a good variety of friends that have never seen Franco films or are Franco fans and have requested uh, certain ones they want to see or watch and review. Um, also, too, 
little uh, pre-show info and news before we dive into uh, the introduction of Blood of Fu Manchu, which I started a little bit and then stopped. But yeah, a uh, little news is um update for the Franco Observer. Uh, I've been um, doing a little behind-the-scenes stuff on the on the podcast, and it's now available on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Uh, with this episode five, uh, we just added it about a couple days before recording this episode. So yeah, it's now on Apple, I, Apple Podcast and Apple iTunes if you want to download that. Subscribe, add it to your list, and uh, please rate us. Give us a good review and uh, spread the word of the Franco Observer. The more listeners we get, the bigger we get, the more shows we'll get. And uh, like I said, I hope to keep doing as many as I can. Um, been buying more Franco films. Oh, anyway, jump back anywhere. Uh, so let me tell you that we are on now, like I said, Apple, Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes, as well as Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, YouTube. We have a now YouTube uh, channel. Um, just look up the Franco Observer, and you'll go to the Desperate Visions channel, and uh, you'll see all the episodes there. And um, and then of course, uh, Red Circle, which is the host page, and uh, all the links are there on Red Circle. But yeah, just do a search, Google search, uh, Yahoo search, whatever your search engine is. Look up the Franco Observer, and you'll find us there. Um, and also, too, we've been adding a lot more listeners in countries now. We got uh, listeners in 14 countries, which is pretty crazy, um, which I love. Um, of course, we have the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, Portugal, Spain, Canada, Italy, Finland, Austria, the Netherlands, France, the Czech Republic, Australia, and the Philippines. So thank you all for listening. It really makes me happy to know that the good word of Franco can bounce around the whole globe still in this year of 2020, in this pandemic year. Um, hope everyone's doing all right out there. Uh, November, it's getting cold here. Here in Sacramento, it's raining. Uh, our first rain that we've had for a long, long time. Uh, it's probably a good sign. It's nice to smell rain in the air. I know everywhere else it's different. Um, how's everything going out there? I uh, hope your weather's not too crazy. Um, also, too, if you want to reach out to the Franco Observer, you can always send us an uh, email at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, it's on the Red Circle page in case you want to look it up later. But yeah, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, send us an email if you like. Tell us if you like the show. Uh, if there's something you want to hear, if there's a film you want us to review, uh, any questions you might have about the films or the host or anything, uh, we'll always write you back, and uh, we love the email. So, yeah, any questions, advice, um, things you want to see, segments you might want to add, um, anything like that, please send us an email. Um, so, yeah, this is a solo show you'll hear, and uh, <clears throat> we'll start here with the blood of Fu Manchu um, it, like I said before it's film 18 shot in 1967 shot over three weeks between November and December of 67 it was released um, August 23rd of 1968 and uh, played 
West Germany, and then uh, the UK in August 30th, and then Detroit, USA was his premiere, probably for AIP, in uh, September 24th of 1969, and then played Seville in March of 70, Barcelona, March of 70, and Madrid in February of 71. Uh, theatrical running time for Spain is 62 minutes, uh, same as the United States print, which is the version I watched on uh, DVD through Blue Underground. Um, that's pretty much the um, Spanish, United States, and West German print. Um, the uh, uncensored version, pretty much. The, also, too, I've read the notes that there's stills of Maria Rome uh, topless being menaced by a snake snake waving guard which might just be a shot for a still but uh, in the film that's not seen but there is nudity in this film um, which was shocking for me for the year being 67 you know it's uh, before Wild Bunch and all that before you've seen a lot of nudity in, on American screens at least for mainstream films and you know this is a mainstream film uh, this is the first film he did for Harry Allen Towers as producer um, I talk about that a little bit more in the review um, of all the films he worked on with. Um, let's see, credits. All right. So uh, we have Christopher Lee again reprising the role of Fu Manchu. Um, gets George as Carl Janssen, the archaeologist. Uh, Maria Rome's in this. She's awesome, of course. And uh, Harry Allen Tower's girlfriend at the time. She's uh, Sister Ursula Wagner of the Mission Service. Uh, Ricardo Palacios is Sancho Lopez, the bandit leader. He's uh, reminding me of John Belushi in this. Um, Richard Green is Sir Dennis Nayland Smith again. Um, Sei Chen is Lin Tang, Fu Manchu's number one daughter. Um, Howard Marion Crawford is Dr. Ronald Petrie. Marcello Ariotola Yagarini is Governor Mexicali. Uh, Francis Kahn is Carmen. Lonnie Von Frito is Celeste. Isera de Olivia is Yuma, the rebellious Fu Manchu acolyte. Vincente Roca is Thomas, the governor's butler. And Shirley Eaton is the Black Widow, which was just a quick scene of her right at the very end. And uh, the footage was later used in the Spanish print of The Girl from Rio, which came two years later than the American print, and that scene is not in the American print of Girl from Rio. And for a long time ago, when I first got into the Fu Manchu films uh, with these two, um, I thought that those two were connected because uh, The Million Eyes of Sumuro and uh, The Girl from Rio and uh, all that, the first one, the second one, and then I thought that they were connected, like she was working for Fu Manchu because of that scene, the Black Widow. But even though it's Sax Romer, it's not connected as far as I know. But uh, yeah, they kind of leave it vague like that. So there is that connection there. Um, in this one, too, there's a connection to other Franco films of kind of like the girls kissing the guys, the girls that are either under hypnosis or programmed kissing making love to somebody and killing them through the lips. With this, it's uh, the kissing and then the guy's dying from the kiss. So it's like a programmed killer, which is a theme he used before, uh, which I, I dig a lot. And uh, this one is another film of somebody being controlled by a drug and carrying out a mission or a program like we did with Voodoo Passion. 
Count Dracula that happened in and uh, Sexy Sisters and then in this Blood of Fu Manchu and Voodoo Passion. So yeah, that control of a body or person is something that he uses quite a few times. That's uh, one of his plot devices. So it's very cool with this. Um, like I said before, this fits in really well. Came after Kiss Me Monster and right before Girl from Rio and then followed that by 99 Women. Um, so yeah, um, it's uh, directed by, of course, Jesus, Jess Franco. Uh, screenplay is by Harry Allen Towers as Peter Welbeck, his nom de plume. Uh, he, yeah, like I said before, he had the sex roamer, or actually, or like I say in the forward part, excuse me, uh, even though it was recorded before this. Um, he uh, had the rights to the sex roamer Fu Manchu catalog, and then he ended up just basically writing two stories for it when he could have just you know, adapted the catalog that he had. Um, let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, let's see. Okay. Dates of filming. Okay. So anyway, yeah, titles. Uh, that's what I wanted to get to. Um, this was, uh, uh, the production is basically a Spanish, West Germany, USA, and UK production, 1967. Uh, the original theatrical title Fuman Chuya Lel Beso de la Muerte, the Spanish theatrical title, Fu Manchu and the Kiss of Death. Which actually, Fu Manchu and the Kiss of Death is a more spot on title because that's the gimmick of this is the Kiss of Death. And that just gives away, or not gives away, but explains the motive of the film, which is pretty good compared to the blood of Fu Manchu. There's really not much blood in this. Like. When they're beating up the guys, because there's really not much torture. So yeah, definitely more kissing and kiss of death. So yeah, um, German. Der Totskaus des Dr. Fu Manchu, the German theatrical title. Uh, USA theatrical title was Sax Romer's Kiss and Kill, which is always bizarre because I remember seeing that poster of uh, the woman and kissing the skeleton, like the cartoony drawing. It's very poppy, and uh, it's a cool idea and a cool thing, but it really doesn't portray Fu Manchu at all in it and doesn't even say anything about Fu Manchu, I believe. And so, I mean, I actually, let me look at it here and tell you, instead of just going off of it. Yeah, look at it here. Kiss and kill, luscious lips, lethal in their biting sting of death. And it's got the woman kissing the uh, skull with the uh, spinal bone breaking, and then a woman chained up to the jail door, and then two other women screaming and chained. Uh, and then, of course, the little square. Positively recommended for the pure and strong at heart. Strong in heart. Transplants are hard to come by. And then Commonwealth United Corporation presentation. So, yeah, Commonwealth United Corporation. Commonwealth's cool. They were like um, a middleman company that distributed the films in America and I think in Europe because Harry Allen Towers for this from what I've been reading Harry Allen Towers was basically like a middleman he basically made all the deals had all the contacts never really used too much of his own money to produce but would have uh, other people's money which you know it's nice to have somebody else's money instead of your own to spend so yeah so he basically like get all these different like say this guy in Germany would pay a certain amount and then he would get to distribute it in Germany and he had the USA and 
the UK distributor and the Spanish distributor and, and uh, Australia and Hong Kong and those places, you know, MGM or UA or whoever. So, yeah, you have about four or five, six different producers and they'd all pitch in and, and then he'd just take the money and pay everybody else and take his share and do his thing and move on, move on, move on. So, but yeah, he uh, was very prolific. Uh, from what I read, I think he's had like nine different productions going at a time and would always just take one move to the other and uh, really cool stuff on that. Um, let's see what else we want to go through. Um, Amazon reviews, nah, I don't really want to do that through this one. Um, Blu-ray history. Yeah, so like on this, um, the Blue Underground one is the way to go in the United States. Um, Foreign-wise, I'm not really sure on this. I haven't done much research. Perhaps if our listeners in Germany or uh, anywhere else, uh, Spain or Portugal, want to let us know what company Fu Manchu is on there. I haven't seen on Ascot Elite, so but I think I've seen one or two ones on eBay that were uh, from there. Uh, maybe like a Region B one, and then uh, anyway, so some of those. Um, let's see what else I want to say. Oh yeah, any, any notes on this? I want to go over. Um, of course, I, I the Bible for Franco reading is uh, the Stephen Thrower books. Uh, for this one, um, I took a lot of my information and research from Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jess Franco, Jesus Franco, Volume 1. I always say Jess Franco, even though it's Jesus on the front. And Anyway, um, yeah, Volume 1, of course, Amazon's the way to go on these. In the United States, they're really cheap. Uh, remember when they first came out, they were like 100-something bucks, 200 bucks. Now they're like 30 bucks or 20-something bucks, 28 bucks, so... It's crazy. It's like a fucking hell of a deal. Um, yeah, I'm gonna definitely gonna buy another one and start taking pictures out of it because it's a good source for that. It's, it's good to have one to read and study off of, get all your info, and then one to have is just cut pictures out and make posters and have to make different cool stuff. Uh, the music for this, um, it's like a cool orchestra score, and uh, but. They don't really know who it is. It's credited on the English print to Daniel White. On the Spanish print, it's credited to prolific German composer Ert Wilden. So, I don't know. Um, the locations on this film um, is uh, supposed to be between the Andes and the Mateo Grosso. So, it's either Bolivia or Paraguay. But uh, exterior filming, in fact, took place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil at Furnace de Aguiasse in the Tijuana Forest. Um, and let's see where else we got. Further shooting, including interiors, took place in Madrid, Barcelona, and Alicante. Um, when the film came out, the UK theatrical release The Blood of Fu Manchu has gave Jesu Franco's his first British A certificate, clearing it for family audiences. However, the film was cut. Yeah, the British version was that, for sure. Um, Fu Manchu was the subject of 13 novels by Sax Romer, beginning in 1913 with The Mystery of Dr. Fu Manchu and ending with Emperor Fu Manchu in 1959. Also, uh, there was a 24-part silent movie serial from 19, 
And let's see what else we did. Five years later in the United States, the character was revived for three Paramount Paramount talkies, The Mysterious Dr. Fu Manchu, directed by Roland Lee, 1929. The Return of Dr. Fu Manchu, Roland Lee again, 31. And finally, Daughter of the Dragon, which is one I've seen, uh, Lloyd Corrigan, 1931. And these Fu Manchu was played by Warner Orland, who uh, went from Paramount to Fox soon afterwards for a run of 16 films playing Charlie Chan. Next came, probably the best one, MGM's The Mask of Doc- Mask of Fu Manchu, um, directed by Charles Braben, 1932, starring Boris Karloff. It's probably the best known and most controversial of these early titles. Drums of Fu Manchu, a serial adventure released in 1940 by Republic Pictures. An obscure Spanish comedy called El Otro Fu Manchu, Fu Manchu followed after which the oriental nemesis moved to uh, followed after which he moved to american television with the 13 episode serial the adventures of dr fu manchu okay which actually make him sound like a hero not a villain the adventures of uh that was until the mid 60s when harry allen towers persuaded christopher lee to tackle the role in the face of fu manchu don sharp 1965 and then was again followed to by The Brides of Fu Manchu, Donald Sharp again, 66. Then The Vengeance of Fu Manchu, Jeremy Summers, 67. And finally the two Jess Franco films, Blood of Fu Manchu, 67, and Castle of Fu Manchu, 68. Nathan Smith returns to Sherlock Holmes' role after indulging in the James Bond heroics of the face of Fu Manchu. Um, let's see what else we want to talk about here. Uh, we talked about the other versions. We talked about... Yeah, I actually got really good press from this when it came out. Uh, people liked it. Um, I don't know what it did for uh, box office or the worldwide gross, but obviously it did pretty well if they did a one following up again. Castle of Film Manchu, which is a big drop-off. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the reason why I chose uh, this as to do a solo episode like I say in the review following up, um, this was the first of two Fu Manchu films that I saw. The first two, uh, not Fu Manchu, sorry, I'm getting late here. Um, <clears throat> these were the first two Jess Franco films I saw because I first saw these films because I was a fan of Fu Manchu and was collecting Fu Manchu movies. Um, and uh, so, of course, I had to buy these two films uh, on VHS I had the cheap, like, uh, I don't know, Key Video or Nation Video, whatever. It was like like a black or, not saying it was like a red or a yellow box for both films. And uh had like a yellow border, like the color, and then it had a small picture on the front, like a square. Castle Fu Manchu, I believe, had like a castle and it was like breaking with water coming out or something. And then... uh Blood of Fu Manchu had like a picture of Christopher Lee as Fu Manchu on the cover, like standing real thin, I think with his daughter um, on that. I believe those were the two that I had, and uh, I got those in probably 2000, maybe, maybe 99, somewhere around there. But anyway, so yeah, those were uh, the first way I got into Jess Franco, and then uh, from there it went slow. And then within the last two years, it really exploded and started collecting. Um, I've been buying a lot of cool stuff, buying uh, 
American stuff, buying the German imports, and now going into uh, DVD dealers. Found a cool dealer out of Texas and bought 11 more Franco films. And I'm going to start watching those, see if I like them. And if I like the quality and the copies, I'm going to go ahead and buy probably another 5 or 10. And then I should have uh, pretty much a good, solid collection and be pretty sparingly from there. Because I'll collect all the main ones. So, so yeah, that's that. Um, hope you enjoy this, the solo episode coming up of um, The Blood of Fu Manchu. And, uh, yeah, once again, thanks for all, everybody for listening. I'm in, happy with the numbers, happy with uh, 14 countries now, or 15, and uh, close to 200 downloads in, like, three weeks, which is good. Um, and from all over the world, too, that's what I like, is uh, everybody's digging the Just Franco Observer. So, yeah, thank you. I love Just Franco Films, and hopefully that passion and uh, love for Just Franco Films comes out in these podcasts because that's why I do it that's why I do all the time put all the effort all for free because I love Jess Franco and I want his films out there and I want everybody to talk about them and keep listening to them and keep the rhythm of Jess in your heart so alright everybody um, hope you all have nice holidays and uh, once again coming up the review of The Blood of Fu Manchu who sent you, Fu Manchu? Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Franco Observer. I am your host, Jason Rudy. And uh, on this special episode, I'm doing it solo on this one. Um, I want to try to put out episodes a little bit quicker. Uh, instead of once a week, I may do some twice a week. We'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, we'll have a few just in case um, we have uh, vacations or sick days or uh, things that we are unable to put out an episode. I want to have a couple in the can as backups so I at least can put out one a week for everybody. I decided to watch um, the first Franco film I think I watched ever. I was trying to think when I first got into Franco. Um, I'm 47 years old right now. Um, I first saw Franco film, I would say, in maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and it would be one of the Fu Man, probably Blood of Fu Manchu or Castle of Fu Manchu. I don't know which one I saw first on VHS. Um, because at that time I had not yet gotten into Franco. I had known who he was, but I had got the films as I had gotten in, as I had got into, uh, the character of Fu Manchu and was a big Boris Karloff fan and watched, uh, the mask of Fu Manchu from 32 and, uh, was, uh, into collecting all the Fu Manchu films. Um, Fu Manchu was an interesting character. Um, he was created by Sax Romer and, uh, there's lots of paperback books and uh, the character of Fu Manchu. He um, was uh, really famous. The character, they did a lot of different uh, movies about him. And I remember trying to find the movies on VHS back in the day, um, the earliest ones, trying to find the Warner Orland ones, uh, the mysterious Dr. Fu Manchu from 1929, the return of Fu Manchu from 30, 
Um, and then, uh, of course, I got uh, Boris Karloff, Mask of Fu Manchu from 32, and uh, Harry Brandon, Drums of Fu Manchu, and, um, of course, uh, The Ventures of Fu Manchu. That was on DVD for a while. And, uh, of course, the Christopher Lee and then uh, Peter Sellers. And then even Nicolas Cage played Fu Manchu in that little grindhouse um, trailer, you know. But um, So, yeah, so this episode is um, The Blood of Fu Manchu. And, uh, like I was saying before, I had first saw these films on VHS and then got the Blue Underground DVDs. And that's uh, what I watched tonight um, was the Blue Underground uh, release. They put them on Blu-ray, but this is the v- the DVD I watched. Um, the Blood of Fu Manchu Blue Underground release from 2003 uh, is when I got this DVD when I worked at uh, Video Clearance Center in Sacramento, California back in uh, from 1999. That would be uh, November of... I worked there from November 1999 to about October of 2009. Ten years. I was the... Uh, Worked a video store, started off as a counter, and then ended up uh, being a weekend supervisor and uh, manager on the weekends, so that was pretty cool. Got to order all the cool cult films, stocked the cult section, I built that cult section up, and got it going, and did all the ordering, and was the guru behind the scenes of all the cult stuff there, and horror stuff. So, anyway, um, I decided to do this myself, uh, review this episode, Blood of Fu Manchu. I probably haven't watched this movie since about 2004, and this is uh, 2020, so about 16 years I hadn't seen it. Um, watched it again for this for this time as a Jess Franco fan now, and um, I did enjoy it. Um, I like his other films better. Um, there's a lot of good things in it, the really great locations... The story moves along. It's very comic bookish. Christopher Lee, of course, is great as, as Fu Manchu. Maria Rome is awesome in it. She's so beautiful, and she looks great in this. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, this is the 18th film that Jess Franco made uh, of himself as director. So, yeah, a little brief thing before I go into the review of it and how it runs. Um, this was important for a lot of firsts. This was the first of six films that uh, Christopher Lee starred in for Jess Franco from 1968 to 1988. Uh, this is the first of four films that Maria Rome's in. Uh, she did a bunch of quick ones with them. This, and uh, she's awesome in this. And also, this is uh, the first of nine films that Jess Franco directed for Harry Allen Towers in two and a half years. So, yeah, about, you know, about three three to four a year. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah, so anyway, this is uh, The Blood of Fu Manchu. It first starts off with, uh, it's the first, this is the first of two Jess Franco uh, Fu Manchu films. Uh, Castle of Fu Manchu is second. Um, there's some really great locations in this. Uh, there's, uh, it opens with Fu Manchu, and he's his soldiers are transporting a group of kidnapped hooded women, and they're taking up through this, forest and the jungles and area i'm sorry they're digging through the jungle up by this waterfall and they're taking them to fu manchu's lair and fu manchu in this has a underground lair and you come to find out that it's a aztec temple that he an aztec temple hidden behind these waterfalls that he has this cool like 
equipment to monitor people and find out where they're at. And he has like these maps with like computer programming almost from the sixties that show different points of his plan that's going to unfold. So as these women are being brought in, you hear thunder sound effects in the background, which I made notes of because, uh, Franco's use of sound effects that are awesome, but they might not work in that situation. So you hear like thunder sound effects in the background. The inner Fu Manchu's underground Aztec rock lair. Franco has the red light on Christopher Lee again, which I like. Um, he did it in also Count Dracula, which was another Harry Allen Towers film, one of the other nine that he did for him. Um, so that was cool. So yeah, we started off episode one on Harry Allen Towers, and now with this episode seven, we're back on a Harry Allen Towers, Harry Allen Towers produced film. So yeah, we see the red light on Christopher Lee as he's seated. And uh, the kidnapped women are all unhooded one by one in a very cool shot. They're all lined up, chained up, and the hoods come off their heads one at a time real fast. And uh, then they're spoken to by Christopher Lee as Fu Manchu, who tells them that he has a plan to use them to have a special snake that is only known to the wise men that will put the venom into the women, and they will carry this venom and kiss men and the venom will cause the men to first go blind and then to die so he plans to do this on a worldwide basis so he unhoods the women and then they change into gowns and then it cuts to the credit sequence which is nice to see a credit sequence because the last few Franco films that we've reviewed there hasn't been credit sequence in the beginning um, Sexy Sisters had one but um White skin, black thighs do not, and uh, I'm not sure about Voodoo Passion, remembering off the top of my head, so it was nice to see a nice, cool credit sequence uh, produced by Harry, by Harry Allen Towers, of course. Um, then we see a, super a, uh, a superimposed shot of Fu Manchu and his daughter Lin Tang, and him are standing there, and they're in their hidden temple, and it superimposes to that to the kiss of death sequence where uh, the person Venom is transported to... So basically what they do is they take these women and they have the first one is Celeste and they have the snake bite her and she they have her test it. So they have a, female, they have a male hostage, an older man that they've tortured and he gave them the information about the Aztec temple, the hidden... the uh, the hidden temple that people have been looking for, the hidden city, he they tortured him, got the information. So now they have the woman kiss him to test out the venom to see if it works, and the man goes blind and then dies. And uh, he later dies, actually. So that's uh, that. And um, so we see a group outside of the jungle, Fu Manchu's lair, Fu Manchu's soldiers ambush the guards or ambush the group, kill him, and you find out that it was a doctor that it was there, um, a group of archaeologists, and um, Carl Jansen was part of the group, and he's looking for the lost city, which was Fu Manchu's temple. So. Um, Fu Manchu soldiers ambush the group and uh, they kill the old doctor and uh, Celeste as they kill the old doctor Celeste, the woman that's kidnapped by Fu Manchu is sent 
to London to Nayland Smith to kiss Nayland Smith and to kill him. So then it cuts to London and we see Nayland Smith at home. And uh, as Dr. Petrie is coming to visit Nayland Smith, Nayland Smith knows that there's a black car parked outside with Celeste. And he knows that Fu Manchu has to do with it because he knows he's being watched, his uh, detective skills. So Nayland Smith's almost like a Sherlock Holmes character. He's very wise and he's the uh, goes up against Fu Manchu and that's his arch enemy. So um So Nayland Smith is talking to Dr. Petrie and he has a letter that he is uh from the missing person who is looking for Dr. Fu Manchu. So as Celeste enters so Celeste enters the home, kisses Nayland Smith and causes him to go blind. Um and uh as he goes blind, the woman runs out of the house. Dr. Petrie goes out to get her and grabs her to try to question her, but in the meantime, the driver, who is one of Fu Manchu's minions, runs over, runs and hit and runs the woman, drives away and kills her. And as they do an autopsy on her body later, we find out that she had tons of venom poison in her system, and uh, it was odd that she was killed by the car and not the venom, because they were unaware that with that much venom she should die. But then you realize later on that she has the women have the antidote in their system as well for the venom, so that's why they're able to stay on their feet. I don't know. Interesting uh, physical uh, symptom there. I don't know how true that is, but so then uh, after that we cut back to uh, um, we cut back to Carl Jensen going to visit the governor of Mexico and. When he tells the governor of Mexico that the doctor he was with was killed, the governor of Mexico arrests him and makes him stay there at his palace, his armed guard palace, and plays chess with him for three days. So while that's going on, we are introduced to the character of Sancho Lopez. Sancho Lopez is a very exaggerated character. When I first saw him, I kept thinking of like John Belushi from the movie Going South or 1941 or Saturday Night Live. Uh, very obese, fat, uh, black mustache, bandoleros, uh, bullets all over his shoulders, all that such. Um, he has one leather glove on, which was kind of interesting to see that. Like a kind of a thing. And his fingers are so fat, the glove doesn't fit on, which which is kind of funny. It's kind of like hanging off his fist. So uh, he, uh, him and his group of bandi and of uh, of bandits. They basically rob um, a group of Fu Manchu soldiers that are uh, basically stealing some supplies and taking them to the lost city. So uh, um, Sancho Lopez and his banditos uh, steal the supplies and let the guys go free and such. Except one of them escapes to tell Fu Manchu. So Fu Manchu thinks that since Sancho Lopez killed his guys, that he's with Nayland Smith and Dr. Petrie which is furthest from the truth because he knows nothing of them. But now, since he stole from Fu Manchu, he's on Fu Manchu's shit list. So, so uh, Fu Manchu gets pissed off about that and puts Sancho Lopez on the list. But meanwhile, he goes after more women in his underground lair. So, oh yeah, speaking of, Fu Manchu has a really cool, like, uh, 
underground prison layer in this, and they have all these women chained up in all the different cells. Um, I guess in the British version, it's cut. This version on Blue on Blue Underground is the German, and I guess the American version, which is the same running time, which has all the extra nudity in it. Uh, some of the girls are topless in the cells. You, uh, some of them you see the, the rear shots. Uh, you do see boobs from, like, about four or five different women in this, which was pretty surprising because I thought there was like zero or one from what I remembered. And so I think I'd watched the VHS before and it didn't have any of the nudity, but this DVD did. So, um, you see Yuma, which is the second woman and she's probably the coolest of the prisoners. Um, cause she's like a famous dancer and she does this really cool dancing scene. And like I'd mentioned in all the Franco episodes, he always has a really cool dance number and this coming up later is the dance number for the film, and that's with Yuma. She wears like a cool green see-through uh, nightgown deal with like green panties, no no uh, no top, no bra. So she's topless through it, and she has this cool eyeshadow, and and uh, yeah, she's very exotic. Um, so she uh, she's the second woman to get the snake bite in this. And so about 33 minutes into the film, we finally get uh, Maria Rome's entrance, and she is uh, sister nurse Ursula Wagner, and she shows up to meet up with her uncle, uh, who is the guy that was killed with Carl Jansen, and they were looking for the Lost City. Uh, Sancho Lopez shows up and uh, has this conversation with her, and he tries to come on to her and stuff, and she refuses his help, and she rides off. So as soon as when she rides off, Sancho Lopez kills the guy that runs the tavern and him and his banditos like tear up the town and rape and pillage the whole town and uh you see them going through and stealing and taking the women tearing off their clothes and doing all sorts of evil things um so uh so after that at the night you see sancho and his bends after in the city, they're all partying, having a good time. And then uh, Yuma shows up. This is the big dance scene. So she shows up, and she seductively dances through and catches everybody's attention. One of the guys tries to kiss her, and she keeps moving away because she has the poison that her goal, her mission, sent by Fu Manchu, was to go after Sancho. So she kisses that one guy by mistake that keeps coming on to her, even though she resists and he holds his face and dies. And his friends go, oh, he was drunk. And they laugh. So she moves her way to Sancho to try to kiss him. And she dances very seductively, catches his attention, even though he's with two other women. And as she gets closer and closer and tries to kiss him and get really close up to him, he pulls his gun out and shoots her and kills her and laughs. And um, kills her right then there, dead. And it's funny, so before that, so after he kills her and tells everybody, oh, it's all right, get up and dance, the band plays, and it's like a mariachi band, but the instruments that are playing on the song doesn't match the instruments the band members have. They all have, like, acoustic guitars, and you hear, like, uh, um, horns and, and different uh, maracas and instruments that aren't on screen, so that was kind of funny. Um, so... Uh, a band plays and instruments show up. They're having a good time. So then finally, Lin Tang and the, shul- and the, and the soldiers are hiding out watching all this happening. And after uh, Yuma's killed, 
they sneak in and they attack all of the bando the banditos and kill all them and they kidnap Sancho. Um, Ursula is hiding out watching all this and so she escapes and she meets up with Carl and the governor of Mexico tells them what happens um, and when then we cut to Fu Manchu's prison Fu Manchu has uh, first this is actually one of the scenes that to me makes a Fu Manchu film because the earlier novels and the Boris Karloff Fu Manchu and a lot of the stuff was on Boris Karloff was on uh, Fu Manchu's torture devices and this is one of the parts in the film where you see like a cool torture device that Sax Romer was known for. So there's a scene where Fu Manchu hooks up Sancho to this like torture device where he's restrained and these spikes are coming down and they're piercing his neck and his chest. And there's like blood on the end of the spikes and they keep getting closer and closer as Fu Manchu asks him about Nayland Smith and, and questions him and tries to torture him, but he knows nothing about it. And Fu Manchu knows he's telling the truth, so he unhooks him. And tell Sancho, hey, now you're going to be working for me, since I know you're not part of them, but you need to be my killer now, and you need to kidnap these people. So then, Sancho, since he already has an enemy in Carl Jansen, decides that he was going to add Carl Jansen to the list, and that Carl Jansen works for Petrie and for Nathan Smith. So, he uh, goes after uh, Carl Jansen, and uh, all that. So, um... Meantime, Fu Manchu gets another woman ready to be the kiss of death, and her name is Kia. She's beautiful. She is, um, she's getting the kiss of death, and then there's the scene where they take her into the cell and chain her up and tear her top off, and she's topless, and they put the snake right up to her breasts, and the snake bites her there. Um, Fu has an operating system in this Aztec temple that you see where he's making the plans and then you find out his plan of when the moon turns full he's having this poison shipped worldwide and the, you see the women in the, in the uh, Aztec temple working on his own lab it's another Fu Manchu really good scene he always has lab equipment because he's a mad scientist and even though on this one he's a terrorist and he's trying to take over the world he is still at heart a mad scientist and devices and such so you see the women working on his serum and his poison for the for the for the snakes, and how he plans to ship it worldwide, and to the women worldwide will be injected with it and kill all the men around the world in time, so that he will rule the world and they'll have no men left. So, um, so this is funny as uh, um. Nayla Smith and them, they, they get everybody together, and uh, Yuma um, breaks free. I'm sorry, not Yuma. Um, Kia breaks free, and she has the blood antidote in her, and so then they do a transfusion scene where they basically cut her arm, cut Nayla Smith's arm, and they just like rub their arms together, almost like a blood brother scene, which was pretty funny. And that made Nayla Smith go unblind, and he could see again. So... Um, in the meantime, Dr. Fu Manchu, um, uh, Carl Jansen tries to raid Fu Manchu's lair and gets kidnapped and uh, gets tied up. And Fu Manchu is getting ready to kill Carl Jansen, but then Nathan Smith and uh, Dr. Petrie rescue Jansen and blow up Fu Manchu's temple behind the waterfall. And it kind of wraps it up. 
Uh, there's more to see, but I won't tell you every plot detail of it. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much like a cartoon, like a you know, like a serial film. Um, Jess Franco basically read a lot of the Sax Romer novels and kind of found the found the uh, found the spirit and the theme of the stories and kind of carried that through with his directing in this. So he did a really good job carrying on the um, the tradition and the spirit of what these are. So. In my sense, in that he captured it. Like I said, they had really good locations. It it holds up. It's one of the better Fu Manchu films. So uh, hope you enjoyed this different episode. These are going to be a little quicker, and uh, see how we do. Have a good night, and keep watching Jess Franco films. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm.